church. My name is Will. I'm so glad to be able to be with you. I want to take a moment. I want to look right at you. I want you to look right at me. And I want you to hear this, that I love you. I care about you. I've been praying for you. In fact, I want to take a moment. And church, can we put our hands together and make everyone at every location feel welcome, make them feel loved? I want you to know in Binghamton and Cortland and Corning and then everybody joining us online, come on church, make them feel like we can't wait to have you here with us. Well, I am, we are today actually finishing a seven-week series entitled Transformation. The ushers are going to make sure that you have notes. If you didn't get notes, maybe just slip your hand up at every one of the locations and they're going to make sure to hand that out. So even in the room right now, go ahead and slip your hand up. Make sure you get your hands on those notes. In this series, we've been working on this idea that God wants to transform us. And that as a church, we've organized ourselves to help you experience transformation. But I can't make you experience that transformation. You have to regularly put yourself in environments that are going to help you to grow and transform. Some people think, well, transformation, that's all God's work. And certainly the Holy Spirit does a work in us. But we have to yield our lives to the Holy Spirit and partner with him. Now, you and I have to take steps toward the Lord. Now, if you don't want to take a step, you're never going to grow. That's all there is to it. That our hearts help to determine the rate at which we will experience transformation. And so it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 28, and in that chapter, all of these different stories about seeds that are going in the ground, but it says in one of the parables that all by itself, what does it say? All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel. And what the soil is, that's our heart. That actually the gospel goes in, and, and what we're saying is the environment of our heart determines the rate of transformation. So as a church, one of the things we wanted to do was organize ourselves to help you be transformed. So over the last several weeks, we've been talking about the different environments that we help people step into. We create these environments, and, and together, as we're creating these environments, we're actually changed, we're actually transformed in the production of these environments. So here's the environments that we need to regularly put ourselves into. It's the discipline of the personal environment. Just write that down. Then number two, small group environment. Number three is a large group environment. Number four is a serving environment. And then number five is a charismatic environment. And we can, you can go back and you can watch this whole series, you can jump on YouTube, you can go to tourivers.church, and you can click the on-demand area, and you can watch all of these past messages to catch up in this series. But we're, today we're going to talk about this idea of a charismatic environment. I'm going to explain what that is, a charismatic environment. So fill in the blank. Today we're talking about the charismatic environment. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verse 1, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. That there's actually spiritual gifts that we all have, and God wants every one of us to understand about this. And this area can come with 
some, some consternation. Because when it has to do with supernatural things, all of a sudden it's like, well, there's this halfway we watch scary movies and we're sort of intrigued with supernatural things. Like, I'm a little bit intrigued by that. And then the other part of us, we have the sort of five senses philosophy. So we're weirdly attracted to the supernatural, and at the same time, we're highly skeptical. So when we go to the Word of God and the Bible starts talking about supernatural things, we're not sure it, what, what we should be doing with all of it. So today I want us to talk about God's gifts, because we're talking about a charismatic environment, and what charismatic actually means, it means gifted. It's a gifted environment. That actually, God has a gift. And we're going to talk about three gifts that God gives us. And then we're going, to we're going to dig in a little bit more. So number one, you can write this down in all your notes. One of God's gifts is eternal life. One of God's gifts is eternal life. The Bible says that the wages of sin and debt is death, but the, everyone together but the gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus our Lord. This is salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says it like this. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. We've been, at, we've been camping around this verse a little bit in this series. And this is not from yourselves. It is what? Everyone together. It is the gift of God. So God has this spiritual gift. This is a, the eternal life. This is one of God's gifts for us. We don't earn it. It's a gift that we receive. That everyone who calls in the name of the Lord Jesus is going to be saved. That anyone, whosoever, oh, but God, I, I, I've messed up too much. I've done, I've done too many things. Maybe, maybe if I'm good enough, then I can earn God's gift. And we don't earn the gift. It's given freely. And it's actually a challenge to us, almost offensive to us, that we might actually receive that gift without having to earn it, without having to justify it. That we just get forgiven of all the things we've earned. Can it be true that you could have murdered somebody, that you could do some terrible things, and that God would just forgive that person? I've watched people hear that, and then walk away. How dare God forgive them? And God forgives them because He paid the ultimate price for them. That He paid with His life. That Jesus actually died so that they could be forgiven. It was costly, that gift. Number two is the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for what? Wait for the gift my Father promised. Who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to believers. He's talking to the disciples. He's already blown on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. But now there's another gift that God wants you to have called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
And it says in this verse that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with what? Everybody together with the Holy Spirit. And so at Two Rivers Church, one of the things that we do, if you're wanting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and your respond card, you can just mark that option even today and say, I want to learn more about this. I want to learn more about the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's for every believer. It's fresh wind. It's fresh empowerment. And God wants to fill you up. I was talking to somebody right before service. And they're saying how, oh my goodness, I need God in my life. And, and I said, there's a gift. We're going to talk about it tonight. The Holy Spirit that God actually wants to empower us to, to overcome, to have a little bit more. And, and that's what, so as you're thinking through, how do I respond to today's message? If you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, just mark that. But another thing that's coming up this summer is freedom groups. And as we walk through freedom groups, we're going to talk in more in depth about how to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage everyone as we get through this summer to get into this freedom group. And, and there will be a very good teaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit in freedom groups. And then number three, and this is where we're going to camp out in our message today, is spiritual gifts. That God actually has the gift of eternal life. He has the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in every life now, He wants to give spiritual gifts. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, we have different gifts... Underline that word if, you, if you're in your, maybe highlight that verse. But we have different gifts according to the grace given us. Underline that word grace. So if you look at the word gift and you look that up in the Greek, you're going to see that that word is charisma. That when we talk about charismatic gifts, we're actually saying gift, gift. It's a gift gift. That's kind of a redundant phrase, charismatic gifts. It's gifts gifts. We came up with this extra phrasing for it because we just don't really even understand what the word charismatic is. It just means gift. But this other word, grace, the root word for grace is charis, which is part of the word charisma. Charis is the root word for charisma. So when we're talking about charismatic gifts, we're actually saying grace gifts. This is another one of those things you don't earn from God. That God gives it freely. He pours into your life a grace gift. And another way of saying this is a spiritual gift. Another way of saying it is a supernatural gift. That God has... Charismatic gifts, grace gifts, supernatural gifts, spiritual gifts for our lives. So I'm going to give you a definition. I think it's in your notes. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together we can advance his purposes in this world. That God has a purpose for our lives. And I want you to hear this. God's hope 
for the church. This is God's hope for us. That we actually have gifts that he's going to do. The hope of God was never to create a place for you to have a spiritual moment once a week. I want you to hear that. God never designed the church for you to show up and just, oh, I feel good. Ooh, that feels good to me. Together, we have to find our place. We're, we're the church. We talked about this last week. We are the church. We exist for the world, and we were created by God to make a difference. Can I get a good amen? amen. Now, all of hell is banking on that not happening. All of hell is banking on that you'll go to sleep during this message. Hell never, ever, ever wants the church to ever begin to function in its giftedness. That that if, if we could keep pastor doing all the work, then the church will stay good and ineffective. In fact, hell will allow people to get saved as long as they don't ever get saved and start functioning in their gift. So you can find eternal life, but he wants to mess you up enough to keep you in confusion, to make something like this message super confusing in order to keep you from getting together with other Christians and functioning in your gifts. And in this area, we talked about it a little bit last week in our serving environment, that we actually can't just serve individually. The Bible's very clear about that. That no one can say to the hand, I don't need you. That there's distinctions in the body, but we can't say, I don't need the body. And the body doesn't need me. Actually, we have to be rooted in the church and functioning together in order to experience all that God's designed us for. That there's something I can't get until you're doing what God's designed you to do. So here's what it says in Acts chapter 2. Peter, he's getting the Holy Spirit poured out in his life and he's being empowered. And he's describing to everyone, oh my goodness, this is what's going on. The Holy Spirit's being poured out. And in the last days, Peter starts to quote, he's saying, hey, this is the outpouring on everybody. This is the thing that God wants to do in every heart and every life. In the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on a few people. On just one or two that really love me. I'll pour out my spirit on only the people who have studied the Bible long enough. I'll pour out my spirit on the people who are really good looking who spent all their days in church and they dress the right way, they walk the right way, they say all the holy words, amen, hallelujah, brother. No, that's not what it says. It says, I'll pour out my spirit on what? On, on, on. We're going to try this one more time till everybody, we get an all up in here. On all people. Your sons and your daughters, 
Like the young ones, the little ones in children's church, even right now I'm praying that God would begin to pour out His Spirit on my kids. I pray every night, God, would you baptize my kids in in the Holy Spirit? And I pray in our service right now that the Holy Spirit begins to fill our children and anoint the workers. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy that not just the boys are going to do this, Oh, but there's some, there's gotta be just some things God doesn't intend for women. I don't know. I see it right here that God's empowering sons and daughters. He's empowering that they're gonna prophesy. Young men are gonna see visions, brand new Christians. Oh, I need to wait till I get a lot longer in the church before I ever get used by God. They're gonna see visions, and then the old men are gonna dream dreams. Just not while I'm preaching. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days. I'm both men and women. And then they're going to prophesy. In the Old Testament, this is a huge departure from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God would only pour out His spirit on special ministers. People that were going to Do the work of God. They had to be purified in a very particular way. They had to wash themselves and cleanse themselves. There were special rules. And they get to the New Testament, and all of a sudden you see Jesus showing up, and he's going to fishermen and tax collectors and regular folks, and he's hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with the people that would make him unclean. And and he's... He's pouring out His Spirit on everyone. And what He's saying is there's no longer going to be these special people. There's no longer going to be these ministers who are separated. I'm going to take your young and your old. I'm going to take your sons and your daughters. I'm going to take the men and the women. I'm going to take the Scythian, the slave, the black person, the white person, the Asian person. The Latino person, I don't know. Come up with a whatever you think you think you are person. And that's who God's going to use. Now what happened was, right after this, the church went right on back to, we're just going to do the special people thing. We're going to go back to just the minister's thing. And, and what we started to happen, we came up, the church came up in church history with words like clergy. It's not in the Bible. You won't find the word clergy in the Bible. But that word actually means one who reads. And what they said was, you show up to church once a week, and I'll read the Bible to you. And then you go back and do what I say to do. That's why I get sick to death when I hear somebody say, Pastor, I'm not getting fed. Oh, really? Do you not know how to read? And this one was like, it's, it's, it's an old school philosophy. Oh, Pastor's supposed to feed me. We'll get into a little bit of what I'm supposed to do. But then they had this other word, layman. And really, I'll tell you what that means. They lay around doing nothing. That's what layman is. And that word is not in the Bible. And along comes Martin Luther in the 1500s, and he posts his 95 Theses Reformation moment on the wall on on November 1st. 
Halloween being the All Hallows' Eve, right before All Saints' Day. And Martin Luther, he talks about in one of his theses, the 95, he said one of them is the priesthood of all believers. And so after that Reformation, how much changed? Goose egg, nothing. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we are still thinking about this idea that there's the people that are called and the people, I'm over here, I'm the not called people. That's the called people over there, and I'm the not called people, I'm over here. And it's not in the Bible, y'all. We are all called. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are called. It's your turn. And I'm not going to rest until everyone's doing what they're called to do. I'm going to do my part. But God is counting on all of us. I am not called to build the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, what it says is there's some that were apostles, some were prophets, some were pastors and teachers, some are evangelists, but what they're supposed to do? Equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. My job as your pastor is not to do the ministry. My job is to get you to do the work of the ministry. Can I get a good amen? And so this is what, this is what it is. That's how God designed it. That you and I actually, until we start functioning in our gifts, and this is why I say we got to be in a gifted environment, we're not going to experience all that God has for us. That we can't experience what God wants to do until every one of us is activated doing what God has clearly anointed us for. And so are you ready for this? Because God is ready to supernaturally empower you to impact another person's life. That even right now, at the end of this message today, even as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to hover over your life And as you say, God, I will go, I'll be used, I'll render my life, I'll yield to you, the Holy Spirit begins to anoint, the Holy Spirit begins to empower, and the Holy Spirit is going to use you to do something, and all you got to be willing to do is say yes. And so fill in the blanks now with our time together. God has called all of us, fill that in, to minister to the world around us. That you are called. That there's a supernatural gift in your life. That there is a grace gift on your life. That you are uniquely empowered by God to do His work. God's called all of us to minister to the world around us. So here's what it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how that he got that anointing so that he could have some goosebumps and have some fun in church. No! He didn't get the Holy Spirit on his life so he could get goosebumps and have run around and, whoa, we're rolling in the house. Whoa, it feels good. Yes. Oh, the Holy Spirit was rolling today. 
That's what the charismania world has changed the Holy Spirit into. Goosebumps. Woo! No. That's not what the Holy Spirit is for. This is what Jesus did. I don't mind you having a little goosebumps, but he is not here for your personal entertainment. He's here to anoint you to go around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. That a charismatic gift is on your life so that you can set the lost free. Oh, but not me. If there was a demon-possessed person, I could never, never, never pray for them. I better call the pastor. I better call somebody else. I better go get somebody who's spiritual. Somebody more spiritual than me. Not me. Do you all understand that this is so deep into our line of thinking that we haven't begun to begin to think, oh my goodness, there's a gift on my life. There's an anointing on my life. I'm anointed. Say, I'm anointed. You're going to get this. Everybody's going to get this. I'm anointed that the Holy Spirit's on my life. That, I, that he who is greater, he, there's nothing greater in, in, in all the world. He dwells in you. He dwells in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You're God's hand, handiwork created in Christ Jesus, everybody together, to do good works, which God prepared in advance. And as long as those good works don't sound supernatural, I might be able to do it. If you want me to wipe the window down, I'll wipe the window down. That actually could be a spiritual gift. But a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. It's for the building up of the body. And so then number two, every gift God has given is unique and important. It's unique and important. There, there is as many gifts that are uniquely designed in your life. Oh, but I don't know if I could stand up front and preach. That's my gift. You don't have to do that. You, there's another part. There's some of y'all are going to. Some of y'all are going to get up here and preach. But God has given gifts to each of you. I love this. It's in the NLT. It's in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God's given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. That God actually starts to pour it into your life, and then what do you got to do? You got to start letting it out. So here's, here's a way I like to explain this. So imagine that we're at a banquet all together. We got done, and people are starting to stand around. They're bringing out the desserts. People are getting cakes, and we're all starting to eat cake together, kind of gathering together. And, and one of the people that gets their cake they're walking, they trip and fall, and they drop their cake onto the floor. Now, in that, in that instance, here's what happens. The person with mercy says, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? That's the mercy gift. And then the preacher, he stands up and he says, that's what happens when you're not careful. 
And the serving person with the serving gift comes over and says, I'll clean that up. I'll take care of that. Somebody with the teaching gift shows up and says, the reason you fell is because your plate was too heavy on the one side. Gets into the mechanics of how everything broke down. Person with exhortation says, that's okay. It could have happened to anybody. The person with the gift of giving says, here, take my dessert. It's yours. The person with the gift of administration says, Jim, go get the mop. John, you clean it up. Mary, why don't you fix another dessert for them? They start organizing things, start putting things together. See, there's, there's lots of different gifts. One particular thing happened, but it's approached by so many different points of view. And you don't have to be like your neighbor. You don't have to be like the person that's around you. God uniquely designed you and put a gift in your life that only you have. And you might look at somebody else and say, I don't do it like that. I must be no good. And you don't put yourself in the game. And until you put yourself in the game, I need that mercy gift. I need that exhortation gift. I need that preaching gift. I need that teaching gift. I need that giving gift. If I'm the one that fell down and my cake was on the ground, I need all of those gifts around me functioning in my life, getting me a new cake, getting me back up on my feet, getting me taught up so I don't trip again, getting me all the things that I need. I don't need one gift. I need them all. Does that help you a little bit to understand the variety and how this works in a practical way? So here's the question. How do you know what your gift is? And that's why we do our plug-in parties. That every other week we get together and it's my joy. We go through a spiritual gifts assessment. We go through what your personality type is, what your passions are. And we kind of track them all out so we can help you to understand how God's uniquely designed you how it is in your life that God is going to use you for his kingdom. And then we do next steps online. And really the two things that are happening in that process, number one, we're helping you in next steps online to become a member of the local church. A lot of this teaching is right there at next steps online. Just a whole lot more condensed. But there's 33 things, 33 verses that you cannot do till you're a member of a local church. That God is ordaining in our lives that we get plugged into a local body. That we function together and until we're functioning together on a regular basis, that we can experience all that God wants to do in our lives. And then we get into step two, which is our plug-in party. And, and this is what this is all about, is helping you discover your design. And we teach it in that plug-in party that your design reveals your destiny. In fact, this is what David says about it. He says it this way. I'm going to have the team come back. In Psalm 139, verse 13, David says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know what I like to say about this? You were made for this. That you were made to function in supernatural gifts. That you were made to function building people up. You were made to function together with the body of believers. You were created in your womb for this. 
And God didn't screw up when he made you. God didn't make a mistake. God didn't look like, oh, I'm, I, I, that wasn't one of my best pieces of work that day. How, that's how we think sometimes. Boy, I wish I had a different family. I wish I had a different background. I wish I had a different skin color. I wish I had a different gender. I wish I had a different orientation. I wish I had more money. I wish I had more education. I wish I didn't have all these things happen to me. I wish I didn't. And we have our whole wish list of all the things that we think are wrong about us. And God knows full well. Psalm 139, 15. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me. God has a book written for your life. And you might have screwed up your days. You might have had what you thought is a sideways day or an upside down day or Somehow you've been running from God and all the days that you think you've tracked out are, are days that could never God ever redeem your life. But God has some days, whatever book you've written for your life, God can add the final chapter. That there's a chapter that's ordained for your life that is going to come to pass. That He has ordained days that are ordained for you. They're written in His book before one of them came to be. That somehow God knows your life. He knows the journey. He knows the mistakes. He knows all the failures. And He's still putting a gift on your life. And He's still got ordained days that the best is yet to come. And God created you so that you can do something. You might have wrote an extra chapter. But He has the ability to make sure that you fulfill all of your days. He can always add His chapter. So I want you to hear this. I want you to look right at me. You were made for this. I have this dream that people will walk up to me and they'll say, hey, pastor, guess what happened to me? I came to church. I found Jesus. I went to a small group and I started to work through some of my yesterdays, all the things that I got caught up with in my life and some of my baggage, and started letting some of those things go. I went to Next Steps, and I did the plug-in party, and I found my gift. Now I'm starting an extension site in Syracuse. Back in the day, I, used to, we used to, I grew up in a church where we do testimony time. We'd kind of pass the microphone around. It was dangerous. Never knew what somebody was going to say. Goodness gracious, the microphone just go around the room. That's why we have videos now. We control what, what's being said, edit that stuff. But I have a dream one day we'll be able to have open mic. We'll just have a service one day. Pass the microphone around. Never happened, but I'd love it. We'd pass the microphone down here and he'd say, hey, my name is John. Pastor Will is not the only minister around here. I'm a minister. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have the gift of mercy. I feel what people feel. That's why I serve at the Hope Foundation. And Mike would go to the next person. Hi, my name is Tina. 
I have the gift of administration, and that's why I'm a Jesus follower, and I work over here at the kids' check-in, making it go smoother and faster. It goes to the next person. Hi, my name's Doug. I'm, not, I'm a minister. I'm a Jesus follower. And I've got the gift of technology. I understand how all the parts and cables go together. I serve on the production team. And Pastor Will is not the only one getting the word out. If it wasn't for me, this word wouldn't get too far. And so I'm getting the word out here. We go to the next person. They say, hey, hi, my name is Lisa. I'm Lisa. And, and I'm, a, I'm a minister. Some teenage girl. That's my teenage girl voice. I'm a Jesus follower. She's got the gift of evangelism. She leads a small group in her high school and all of her friends are coming to know Jesus. Another guy, he's got the gift of evangelism and he's leading people. And another one's got the gift of leadership. And as an older man, he serves and he's got a small group of young 20-somethings together and, and he's mentoring them. And another person, Gina, and she's got the gift of encouragement. She says, I'm not... You're not the only minister here, Pastor. I'm a minister too. I'm a Jesus follower. And I go to nursing homes each week. I've got the gift of encouragement. Another one named Martha. All her kids are grown and gone and they've left the house. She says, I'm a minister. I, I love to pray. I pray for you three hours a day, Pastor. I'm on the prayer team. One more guy, he's got the gift of goofiness. And he makes junior high kids who don't know what they are and who they are about, makes them feel loved. And that's, that's my dream for a church. That you and I, we would all be ministers. That God equipped us, God empowered us, that we have a purpose, we have a specific unique design. My name is Will. I'm a minister. I'm a Jesus follower. I've got the gift of pastor on my life. I was made for this. I was made to help people find their gift. And that's what I want for you today. I want you to find your gift. Greatest moment in life. Two great days. The day you were born... The day you discover why you were born, we would function in those gifts. God has an empowerment. God actually wants to empower you. I want every head to bow, every eye to close. I want to pray for you in a special way. Maybe at every location, you just put your hands out. Even right now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Jesus, I pray right now, you begin to empower your church. There will be a Holy Spirit anointing at every location. That, God, you would use us for your kingdom and for your purposes. Even now, you'd begin to fill us. And we'd be able to say yes to all that you called us to. And, God, we'd discover our unique design, and we'd be able to function. And as we do that, other people are going to be helped. Other people are going to be changed. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.